0: I want to welcome all of our campuses to week three of our series entitled Tough Questions. Today I want to answer the question, are we living in the end times? Are we living in the end times? Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us online as well? (laughs) Facebook Live, YouTube, we're so excited to have all of you with us. Amidst the coronavirus, the social unrest, the international tension between nations, uh, it's not hard to wonder, is this the end? People have asked me that question. I've gotten lots of emails and lots of questions from people and just personally, you know, texting, Bash, you know, where do you think that we are and, and, and what is your perspective? We're, we're in a series answering tough questions. By the way, if you weren't here week one, I talked about overcoming depression last week. A lot of good feedback. I want to encourage all those that are joining us online as well. I talked about why I believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father. A lot of spirituality in our culture. I didn't say Christianity. I said spirituality. And I answered the question, is Jesus really the only way to God? I answered that last week. Today, I want to talk to you about are we living in the end times? Perhaps all of the uncertainty that we're experiencing in our culture, globally speaking, has you asking that question? To be honest, I was nervous. Uh, I'm 50 years old, 51. I, Church of the King is 20 years old. For the first 14 years, I didn't teach a lot about the end times. It's not that I didn't go to college or Bible school or seminary. I've done all of that stuff. But uh, quite honestly, I just I wasn't quite sure where I landed on something. Six years ago, I taught through the book of Daniel, and I really enjoyed it. By the way. I want to say I'm going to be teaching again uh, this fall, six weeks on the book of Daniel. I think it is very appropriate uh, of where we are. So I taught the book of Daniel. A couple of years after that, I talked through the book of Revelation. I've taught 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. I've taught a whole series on heaven. I've taught a lot about the end times. By the way, you may not know this, 30% of the Bible is prophecy. What do I mean by that? It's speaking of a future time. That's why I think it's important for us to understand the scripture, the prophetic scripture, especially. Let me just say this. Uh, I want to make three qualifications up front. Before I do that, I want to make a statement. I want to answer a statement. Then I want to make three qualifications. Pastor Steve, do you believe that we are living in the end times? Here's my answer. Emphatically, yes. Now, i want to give three qualifications, and we're going to jump into the Scripture. Number one, I don't set dates. Matter of fact, Jesus himself said, no one better set a date. It's only in the Father's heart that knows when this thing is coming to the end. So I just want everybody to understand. I don't know if it's five years, one year, 100 years. I'm not sure. But I just want everybody to know. Uh, I do believe it's the end. I don't know exactly the date. Anybody, by the way, that sets a date, you know he's not coming back then. Isn't that fair enough to say? So you know that. Number two, I want to say to all of you, I believe in saving for the future, I believe in retirement, I believe in all that. I also want to say to all of our young people, go to college, prepare for the future. It could be a hundred years. I don't know that. So in no way am I suggesting because I do believe there's an imminent return of Christ, should I in any way suggest for you to not prepare for your future. Is that good? That's important. Number three, I do want to say that I think it's important that we spiritually prepare. Question is, if Jesus comes back today, how many of y'all are ready? Come on. How many of y'all are ready? So I think the goal is for us to be spiritually prepared. For us to be spiritually prepared. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. I want to say one other qualification. I want to add this. Uh, This is my perspective on the end times. Uh, There's lots of great men and women of God that teach the Bible. Not everybody agrees exactly on how things are all going to pan out uh, in the end. And everybody has the right to be wrong. But anyway, so, not me. Here we go, Matthew, I'm just playing. Gosh, y'all missed that. This is my perspective. And I, and I believe, again, I, I've been in this for a while. I, this is how I see the scripture. And I'm going to present it to you. And then you can make the decision afterwards. All right. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3 to 8. Here's what the Bible says. Now, as he, that's Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? He's talking about the end times. I want to give you homework this week. I'm going to encourage you to read the whole Matthew chapter 24, very, very, very important. It's in the Gospels. Uh, of course, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read the, all of Matthew chapter 24. He says, the disciples came to him privately say, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. And all of these things are the beginning of sorrows. I've had people say this to me before after reading the chapter. Like say, Pastor Steve, just to be honest... I know that you've taught on the end times. But when I read this, all of these things have always happened. There's always been earthquakes. There's always been famines. Matter of fact, somebody asked me recently, Pastor Steve, do you think that more things are actually happening in the world or do we just have more knowledge of these? And I would say both. There seems to be an acceleration of all of these things. The ethnic tensions, the tension between nations, the the the, the, the deception. Uh, the, uh, Jesus talks about, he talks about prior to his return that there's gonna be an increase of deception in the land, that many will come saying, I am the Messiah. Many, there'll be theological deception. I'm gonna get into that in just a moment. There'll also be massive division. The word nations there is ethnos, peoples groups. There will be there will be great division. So there's deception, but there's also great division, fractions, pain, tremendously. I want to add as well, and I'm going to talk about this a lot this fall when I teach you the book of Daniel, and I'm also going to mention it to the latter part of this message, but I believe one of the greatest signs of why I believe that we're in the end times, the end of the end, is because of the rebirth of the nation of Israel. 1948, a very important moment. I want everybody to hear me at all of our campuses and those that are joining us online. Very, very, very important. I believe the centerpiece of God's... End-time prophetic calendar, if you can say it that way. The, the, the centerpiece of that is the nation of Israel, specifically Jerusalem. It's always been important to God. All the way back, Genesis chapter 12, he talked about a Jewish people and giving a nation and a topography, geography, a land. So I want to just say that to you up front. I'm going I'm to put some, somewhat of an emphasis because I believe the Bible does. When the nation of Israel, the Bible says in Isaiah, can a nation be born in a day? Boom, the answer is yes. May 14th, 1948. We're going to talk more about that in just a moment. Having said that, together in our time, those of you that have been a part of Church of the King, whether I've taught in the book of Revelation or Daniel, I put together a graph, and I want everybody to be able to see this. I know we're not handing out notes right now. This is a, a message. If you can just take something, you can use the back of a card, anything. A guest card, I don't care, just to write some things down. I'm going to give you a graph that I developed and again taking from a lot of different ministers and theologians and kind of again how I see it uh, and let me give you this because I think this will give some pictorial clarity All right, so here's where we are right now here's where we are right now we are in what's called the church age and when did the church age begin the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out the church was birthed we live in the church age an age of grace and I'm going to mention that just a moment again So what is the next event kind of on God's calendar? The next big worldwide event is I believe the Scripture teaches, not all Christian preachers teach this. I would say the majority do, but not all teach it. I believe in what's called a rapture according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to give you some Scripture in a moment. Where Jesus does not return all the way to the earth, but he comes in the clouds and he raptures up his church. All right? And uh, then that begins a seven-year period of what's called the tribulation. Seven years long. Something happens at year three and a half in that. I'm going to talk about that in a moment, which kicks in what's called the great tribulation, the last three and a half years. And then as that seven years concludes, then the the return of Christ to the earth. Jesus doesn't come in the clouds and catch his church away, but he returns, by the way, with his church to the earth. What happens there? Importance of Jerusalem. Remember this. The nation of Israel, I believe, is the centerpiece of God's end-time prophetic clock. Specifically, Jerusalem. Why is that important? Where does Jesus set up his millennial reign? Well, he sets it up, watch this, in Jerusalem. To reign with the saints of God for a thousand years. At the end, there's one more big battle in the Battle of Armageddon. And then we've got the great white throne judgment. And then... A new heaven. John the Revelator in Revelation 21, he looks up and he sees a new heaven and a new earth descending on the earth. Okay, very important. What was God's and what is God's eternal plan? God is a father and he wants a family. Adam and Eve blew it in the garden. He sent Jesus as the redemption for mankind, but this whole thing is about God as a father and He wants a family. So why is this so important that we talk about the end times? I believe it gives us a perspective. I do not subscribe to at any level in a retreat mentality as Christians. I believe this is actually the the end times is the greatest opportunity for the Church of Jesus Christ to shine. I believe it's the greatest moment where we can be filled with faith and we invade every area of society. I do not believe in an escapist mentality. I believe that God called us, listen, salt and light. And that we are to invade every part until the Lord catches us up. So I want everybody to understand. The reason why I teach on this is to equip you with a perspective to take ground for the kingdom in this time. All right. And I'm going to get increasingly fired up throughout this message. I just want to call out, if that makes you uncomfortable, you came to the wrong place. I don't say that to be mean. Why? Because I am so excited about the opportunity that God's given His church. All right, three questions about the end times. I'm going to build slow. And it will culminate. Three questions about the end times. Question one. So I'm answering the question why I believe that we're living in the end times. Based upon answering three questions about the end times. Number one. How does the day of the Lord relate to the end times for us today? It's very important. You see Paul. You see the writings in the New Testament. Talking about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. There is a day coming when the whole world system is going to change. The whole world system as we know it. The age of God's grace is coming to an end. Let's read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Paul writes this to the church at Thessalonica. He says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled. How I many you know our world is shaking in mind? either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Paul is speaking to the Thessalonians about the day of Christ, also known in Scripture as the day of the Lord. Now, I want to explain this because this is so important. Understanding the day of the Lord is an important part of understanding the end times. Think about a day. A day. If I say Tuesday, The 24th of July or whatever. If I say a day, okay, when I say a day, in that day, it contains, watch this, a daytime portion and a what? A nighttime portion. But we don't call it a night. We call it a what? Say it a day. Have you thought about that before? We call it a day. What day was that on? Well, that day was on. Uh, what day were you born on? Watch this. Well, I was born on December third at eleven fifty-eight p.m. All right. We don't say what night were you. You say what day were you born? So in every day there is a watch. This a light a daytime portion, but there's also a nighttime portion. The day of the Lord includes both a daytime and watch this, a night portion. We live. Listen, in the daytime of the day of the Lord. Why do I say that? We live in an age of grace. But there's coming a nighttime. There's coming a shift. We live in a church age, the age of grace. Can you pull the chart up one more time for me, please? And we'll just stay close. We live in what's called, listen... We live in the church age. We live in the light. We live in the opportunity where people can come to Christ, where people can get their hearts changed by the power of Christ. But there's coming a day, listen, there's coming a day when it's no longer daytime, but we enter into the nighttime, and the nighttime is a moment of judgment. We live in a day of grace, but there's coming a judgment. I I would be an irresponsible pastor if I did not teach you that there's coming a judgment. Now, we live in grace. We live in an opportunity where people can freely respond to God, but that's not always going to be that way. There's coming a nighttime of the day of the Lord. Paul talks about it, and there's a shift that's coming. As a whole, the day of the Lord is a season of God's grace followed by a season of justice. I wrote this down. Remember, God is loving, but He's also just. He is gracious, but He's also righteous. When Jesus came to the earth the first time, He came as a light of the world. He brought salvation full of grace and full of truth. When the daytime ends at the rapture, a season of darkness follows and it enters into, mankind enters into, listen, they enter into the nighttime of judgment. Now, I want to just say up front, I don't believe preaching about judgment gets anybody to respond to Christ. But I believe it's important to make people aware that judgment's coming. Listen, in the same way with children, I believe it's a love of God that draws us, but the judgment makes us sober about the day in which we live. It's very important that we understand that. It's important that we understand the, 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 the Scripture teaches this is an opportunity to see your loved ones come to Christ. It's an opportunity to see your co-workers come to Christ. It's an opportunity to see your neighborhood, those around you, those at the gym, those in your purview, those in, the, in, the, in your pathway of relationship. This is a moment where people can come to Christ. It's not always going to be like that. Number one, how does the day of the Lord relate to the end times? We live in the daytime of the day of the Lord, but there is coming A night. Question two, Pastor, what happens during the tribulation? What happens during the tribulation? If you could pull that map up for me. So here's the next event. The next event that's about to happen is we live in, if you could pull that up right here. This is coming. Pastor, when is it coming? I'm not exactly sure, but I'm going to give you some things that are happening immediately prior to that. And then I'll allow you to interpret whether or not you believe that we're living in that time. Question, what happens during the tribulation? Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3 and 6, let no one deceive you by any means for that day. We talked about the day. That day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Hmm, that's interesting. What's that? And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Who is that? Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God, in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Paul says, do, not, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things. And now you know that what is restraining, watch this. There's something that is restraining the full revealing of the man of perdition, the man of sin, the Antichrist. He says, and you know that what is restraining and that may be revealed in its own time. The day spoken of in verse 3 is the day that Christ returns and it enters into the nighttime portion of the day of the Lord. In this passage, Paul talks about three things. Number one, he talks about the falling away. Number two, he talks about the antichrist, the man man of perdition. He talks about, number three, the abomination of desolation. I taught a lot about it in Daniel. Something happens midway through the tribulation. So let me talk about this just for a moment. What does Paul mean what does Paul mean when he says that this day will not happen unless there is quote a falling away? So what is that word? The Greek word is apostasia, which is the English word, it sounds very similar to apostasy. What does the word apostasy mean? It means a defection from the truth. We can look around the world right now, not just in our in the United States, but around the world this think about it, a denying a basic and clear fundamental truths of Scripture. Doesn't it seem like, I mean, think about this, all of you ask yourself, doesn't it seem like the world is turned upside down? What's wrong, listen, is deemed right. And what's right is deemed wrong. What's impure is called pure. The falling away, by the way, has already begun. I want you to think about that just for a moment. What used to be called evil is now good. What's called good is now called evil. The falling away has begun, but in the tribulation, this apostasy, this deception goes to a, quote, whole nother level. Wickedness will be rampant throughout the earth. As a result, people are going to welcome with open arms, they're going to welcome with open arms, the man of perdition. Now, I know some of you guys think, gosh, Pastor, this is heavy. The Antichrist and a falling away, and what is this all about? And I'm not sure about this. Just remember this. Who is the Antichrist? The Antichrist is a political leader. Why does the Antichrist come on the scene? The Antichrist comes on the scene, watch this, I want everybody to listen, because of global turmoil. Something happens that causes global turmoil, and nobody knows what to do. Now, if I would have taught this message four months ago, you'd have thought, Oh my gosh, Pastor Steve sounds like a late night television preacher at 3 a.m. with big hair saying crazy things. What is Pastor Steve talking about? This is crazy. But how I many know after COVID-19 when in 12 days the whole world shut down and nobody knew? How I many know this doesn't sound that crazy anymore? This doesn't sound that crazy. Nobody knows what to do. What do we do? This doesn't sound like some antiquated, archaic, irrelevant book anymore. All of a sudden, it sounds real relevant to where we live. Whoa, Pastor. Wow. Wow. I don't know, pastor. This could never happen. Oh, really? Twelve days. The whole globe shuts down. Everybody's in their house. The Bible says there's coming a day when the man of sin, who is he? He's a political leader. He has tremendous political skills. Why? Because all the world's in chaos, and he steps on the stage. Hey, guys, this is what we need to do. Little do they know that he's a deceiver. Tremendous political skills, tremendous skills of diplomacy to pull in nations. And he deceives the nation of Israel. He cuts a deal with the Palestinians and with with the Jewish people. He is a world broker of relationship, but he's got an agenda. Number one, there's a defection from the truth. Number two, the Antichrist. In verse 3, Paul introduces the man of sin, which is another name for Antichrist. He's a person whose every imagination is hard, is only evil all the time. His greatest desire is to be worshiped in the place of God. Paul also calls him the son of perdition. The Antichrist is just that. Listen to me Antichrist. He's the antithesis, the opposite of Christ. Jesus is humble and respectable. The Antichrist is proud and lawless. Jesus is self-abasing even to the point of death on the cross. The Antichrist is self-worshipping, self-glorifying. Jesus is interdependent with God and the Holy Spirit. The Antichrist is completely independent of God and utterly rebellious. The source of Jesus' power is God. The source of the Antichrist's power is Satan himself. Verse 4. And he shows his arrogance and pride. Watch this. He sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself... That he is God. Now, I want everybody at all of our campuses and those that are joining us online, I want everybody to hear what I'm about to say. This is very interesting. This is going to make sense to everybody. How many temples have been built in Jerusalem by the Jewish people? Number one, I'm going to give you a rough date, all right? A thousand B.C. Watch this. Because here's the question. How is the Antichrist going to sit in the temple. What temple? In Jerusalem. How is he going to do that? Well, there's a gold mosque that's controlled by Muslims that's on top. There's Jewish people that pray on, well, the, there's a western side of the wall. They pray there. And, and I know Christians can kind of go on top. I've been there, those of you that have been to Israel. But like, how is all this going to happen? And So, so it's like Is that how is how is that going to be removed, and then a third Jewish temple built, and when is this and how is it going to happen? All right, here's how it works: the first temple that was built in Jerusalem was built by Solomon, 1000 BC. That temple was destroyed roughly in 586. There was in 586 with the Babylonians. Watch this: that temple began to be reconstructed, the second temple, 70 years later, in about 526, 520 B.C., Zerubbabel came. And then after that, remember, Nehemiah built the walls around the temple. So one temple built by Solomon. Zerubbabel builds the second temple. This temple, so this first one goes for 500 years around. The second one goes, and it gets better and bigger. And then even Herod the Great, who was a great builder, He actually even helped the Jews to build under their temple. That temple went all the way to 70 AD when the Romans destroyed the second temple. Boom. And now we are in this gap between the second temple... And the third temple, you go to Israel today. there's an Arab mosque there's a, there's a Muslim mosque and the Jews pray on one side and the walls that you see were really Turkish walls built by Suleiman, the great in 1500. It's all this it's all confusing and how is this going to happen? Did you know right now that the Temple Institute in Israel? you can Google it after the message, not during the message. God will show me if you do it during my message I just want- <laughs> Watch this. you can Google right now the Temple Institute. They already have the plans. They already have the designs for the third temple. Jewish people are already developing the strategies to begin sacrifices as soon as they get control. Well, Pastor, how are they ever going to get control of the Temple Mount and get the Islamic, the Muslim people to move? Because the Antichrist is going to broker a deal. Pull the chart back up. Here's what happens. You guys ready? And you don't want to miss the book of Daniel this fall. If you can't wait, you can listen to it. I've already done it, but I've got a lot of stuff I'm going to add. Here's what happens in the tribulation. It begins right here. Remember, the church is out of here. That's what I believe. For three and a half years, all this world chaos. He's this political leader. But in year three and a half, 42 months, Daniel talks about it. 42 months into this thing, the Antichrist walks into what? The third temple that was built by the Jewish people during the first part of the tribulation. And guess what he does? All of a sudden he goes and he sits down on the throne of God and declares himself to be God. That's called the abomination. Everyone say abomination. It's the abomination of desolation. And now we enter into the last the world enters into the last three and a half years of what's called the Great Tribulation. That's what Revelation talks about. Bowls and trumpet and judgment and all this stuff. Pastor, this is a lot. It's all in the Bible. It's all in the Bible. So number one, the falling away, the defection of truth. That's already happened. You can look at it in our nation. You can, you can look at it. Number two, the revealing of the Antichrist. Question. I, I, I've got something that, that people have asked me. Pastor Steve, so is the Antichrist a person or a world system? The answer to that is yes. The Antichrist is is a person, a real person, anointed by the demonic spirit of hell himself, by Satan himself. The Antichrist will be revealed as a person during the tribulation. But we see the spirit of the Antichrist has been in in work for thousands of years in the world. We see the spirit, the Antichrist, the antithesis of Christ against Christ. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. You could talk about God all day long in our culture, but talk about Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, people get weird. Why? Because it's the spirit of, it's Christ, it's the name Jesus Christ that, 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 that is the offensive thing to people because it exposes the spirit of the Antichrist. You can see the Antichrist spirit played out today. Anywhere where values rage against God's scripture and truth, the spirit of the Antichrist undermines the supremacy of God. The scripture itself, we see it, it played out in the media. We see it played out in politics. We see it play, played out in the arts. Anything that does not acknowledge Jesus Christ is the Antichrist. You can talk about God all you want, all you want in our culture. You talk about Jesus Christ. Don't judge me. What are you talking about? I just talk about Jesus. Look at verse 6. You know what is this is. This is when it gets really good. You know what's restraining this? What's restraining the Antichrist? What what is restraining the whole world from being just flushed down the toilet? You know what it is? It's you. And it's me. What's preventing culture's deterioration to to absolute wickedness? I'm so glad you asked. Three things. The church. Everyone say the church. Everyone say the word of God. And the Holy Spirit. At the rapture, guess what gets taken out of here? The church. Come on, are you all with me? You ought to tell your neighbors. You ought to tell your friends at work. You ought to tell your family. The only reason why this world is not falling apart and being totally judged and going is because I am here and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm the light of the world, the salt of the earth. The church of Jesus Christ is the only thing that's restraining that spirit. It's the only thing. You, hey, you take the spirit, you take the spirit of God out of this earth and you watch what happens. You take the Spirit of God, listen, out of somebody, somebody that's not a believer, the Spirit of God restrains you. Isn't that right? The truth of God restrains you. It's the body of Christ that's restraining this thing. When the church is raptured, the Antichrist moves in, a powerfully yet deceptive person. After the rapture, there's worldwide chaos. The Antichrist comes on, cuts a peace deal with Israel and the nations of the earth for 42 months. Friends, there's only two kingdoms. There's only two kingdoms at work, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of darkness. Which kingdom which kingdom are you in? Number three, what does all this pastor have to do? What does all this end time teaching mean to me? Paul shares a very important truth in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. Here's what Paul says. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord. Because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit. And belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do we see here? We see that the spirit and the truth, the importance of the spirit of God, without the spirit of God in a person, without the spirit of God in a church, without a spirit of God in a culture, without the spirit of God in the earth, and without the truth of God. Say, Pastor, why do you believe that we're in the end of the end times? I'll tell you why. I want everyone to hear me. Today, I believe that we're in the final stages. I don't know how long it's going to be. Don't walk out here and say, well, pastor said it's going to be a year. I didn't say that. I don't know how long it's going to be. But I'm going to give you some things to think about today. If you study and understand the development of the nation of Israel, i got five, six, seven minutes. Stay with me. Something happened in 1948 that was significant. May 14th, 1948. When nation, can a nation be born in a day? Boom. Then, by the way, thank God for President Harry Truman, because without him in the United States, Israel would not be a nation today. I want everybody to understand that. What's so interesting is the Bible talks about the Jewish people, watch this, experiencing two diasporas of uh, scatterings. They were scattered, number one, they were and then two regatherings. I want everyone to hear me. Number one, there was a diaspora, basically. When the first temple was destroyed, Jew, the, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, pretty close, were just, they were just scattered all over the earth. At seven day, days later, they were regathered back to Jerusalem. They were regathered. That's an in gathering. Everyone say, an in gathering. Say that. Okay, or regathering. The second time they were regathered. And this is why I believe that we've entered into the end times. You know what it is? The end of the 1800s, you know how many Jewish people they had living in Israel? 180,000. 1890s, 1880s, the beginning of what's called the Zionist movement. Do you know in 1848 when it became a nation, do you know how many Jewish people live in Israel today? 7.1 million. There's 9 million when you include all the Palestinians. Why is that so important? That is a, rega- a regathering to the, to the land that God gave them in Genesis chapter 12. Why is that so important, Pastor? Because Israel is God's centerpiece of His prophetic time clock. Read Matthew chapter 24, verse 33, talking about about most theologians believe the the budding of the fig tree and what happens there and and talking about this generation will not pass away till they see the fulfillment there's so much in this so much in this I don't know if it's five years ten I don't know if it's 50 years but we're getting closer why do I say that culture is experiencing decay at an alarming rate it's unsustainable it is currently unsustainable Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 about creation groaning We are not in the great tribulation. We are not in the tribulation. But we are experiencing tremors and shifts, and evil is running rampant in our culture. Look what's going on around us. Think about it. Deception, murder, no respect for life, not to mention the international stage, lining up in the nations. I'm going to teach you in the book of Daniel about Gog and Magog, Ezekiel chapter 37 and 38. I'm going to talk about that this fall with the book of Daniel. I've taught on it before. It's all coming into alignment. Why is this important, Pastor? Things are changing. Weather patterns, nuclear threats, culture clashes, economic warfare, class warfare, terrorism. But there's an earthquake coming. There is an earthquake coming. We are moving towards, in my opinion, world chaos. Before COVID-19, nobody, people would have thought I was crazy preaching like this. 12 days, the whole world shut down. Now, here's the cool thing. The cool thing is that we are positioned. We are actually the only ones that are positioned in a good position. The Church of Jesus Christ. Pastor, what do I do? How do we live? Let me give you three things. Friends, and I want everybody to hear me. This is our opportunity to make a difference for God. When the world has lost their mind, we have the mind of Christ. Are y'all with me? When the world has lost its mind, let me give you three things. Are you ready? Pastor, what am I supposed to do? Number one, live in the truth. Have a daily devotional life. Live in the truth. I had a guy in our church that used to work in... I, I don't know. The, it was a government agency that dealt with counterfeit money, and he told me. He says he goes, "Steve, you know it's interesting, Pastor." He goes, "The way that we really get good is that we just deal with the real. We deal with the real. We deal with the real." And it's, it's. I don't know the classes he go to, so that when we see the false, when we see the lie, we can quickly identify this isn't real money. That is. Here's my question: Are you conversant? Are you? Are 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 you? Let me say this: Are you used to the truth of God's word? Are you knowledgeable of the truth of God? God's word that when you see a lie you can expose it that's what I'm asking I'm asking everybody that's listened to me do you know the truth they said that's a lie that's not true that's against Scripture we've got to live in the Word of God we've got to fall in love with the Bible we've got to allow the Word of God to bathe our mind to bathe our heart that's our equipment that, that, that equips our mind equips our heart why because when, when people are shaken in mind we've got to be strong in our spirit number two Number two, we not only need to live in the truth, we need to live in the spirit. There are only two spirits. There's the spirit of the world and there's the spirit of God. We've got to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit. I need a fresh, We need a fresh immersion in the Holy Spirit. We are a carrier of the presence of God. Listen, inside of us, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with truth, and you need to be filled with the Spirit of God. We need to be freshly baptized every day with the power of Almighty. empowered to be a leader in culture, empowered to do whatever God's called you to do. Why? By the Spirit of God. Friends, we do not believe at any level in an escapist mentality. We're not going to all go move to Montana and do rapture practice and let the whole world go to hell, and we're not going to be the light. Not me. Not not, not this church. Not this church. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to declare the word of God. We're going to help people. We're going to speak the word. We're going to say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we're not compromising off of that. So here's my question. Are you living in the truth? Are you living filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Spirit of the world? Or are you filled with the Spirit of God? That's my question. There's only two spirits. Are you drunk on the world? Are you drunk on the Spirit of God? That's my question. Number three, you better live in community. You talk about separation, the strategy to separate people right now. And I want to talk, I'm so grateful for all those that are online right now. And we understand, we respect you. We're grateful for all the people on all the decisions that they made on a personal level. But let me tell you something. Please don't be connected from the body of Christ. Please don't be connected. We need one another. We need to live in the truth of God's word. We need to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need one another right now. Oh man, we need, we need the body of Christ. Get on a Zoom small group. Get in that small group. We've got to be with one another right now. I remember now I'm gonna date myself. How many of y'all remember Mutual of Omaha? Come on, somebody. Y'all remember that? If you're under fifty, you don't know what that is. Remember that guy's name? What was his name with that jacket on Saturday? What was his name? What was it? Marlon Perkins, thank you. Marlon Perkins. You remember Marlon Perkins? You remember that? I'll never forget as a little boy in the the 70s watching it one Saturday afternoon. And I I saw this pride of lions, how they picked off, watch this, the disconnected animal. Listen to me closely. Don't get picked off. Don't get picked off by the enemy. You separate from people. You separate from Christian people. I'm telling you, you're going to get picked off. I want to be around godly people. I need people. I thank God for the men of God in my life. I thank God for the people around me because when I'm separated, I get weird. Don't laugh. You get weirder. Everybody say live in the truth. Everybody say live in the spirit. Everybody say live in community. Let me give you this last scripture. Here we go. Here it is. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15, therefore, brethren, stand fast. That's what we're doing at Church of the King. We're standing fast. We're not retreating. Business people, listen, this is a time to make an impact for God. Educators, this is a time. People in professional sports, whatever your platform is, whatever you've got, whatever level of influence, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Jesus calls you that. Stand firm. That's what we're doing as a, as a church. We're, we're holding fast to what the Word of God is. We're holding fast. Having an, Let me tell you something. I want to say this last thing. The world has lost its mind. They've lost their mind. Do you remember? <clears throat> I remember as a kid. How many of y'all remember as a kid? Milk's good for you. One week later, milk's bad for you. Milk's great for you. Milk's terrible for you. That's the world. Every day they work up, this is good, that's bad. Oh, just hang on, that'll be bad. It's like ties, come on. All the fat tie people, hang on, they're coming back. Are y'all with me? The world has lost its mind. Every day they wake up making up new rules. I am so grateful. I'm so grateful. Listen, somebody give me their Bible. Just anybody give me a physical Bible. Give me a phone with a Bible on it. I need something. Come up here and give me that Bible. Run to it. Listen, I am so grateful. Listen, I'm so grateful. I don't wait. Listen to when everybody. I don't wake up every day confused, wondering what's right, wondering what's wrong, wondering are you a hater? Are you not? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. It'll Will never pass away. We're standing right on this. I want everybody to stand. Man, I'm fired up. You need to be fired up. This is our moment. This is our moment as the church. Oh, Pastor Steve, he's lost his mind. No, I found my mind. I found my mind. I, it's in Christ. I want everybody to bow their heads. Everybody in the got one minute every single person I want a couple minutes long but this is important if you do not know Christ if you're not sure about your relationship with God if you're not sure you're right with God this is a moment this is not a time to play games this is a moment to say yes Jesus I surrender to the lordship of Christ I declare Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior this isn't about adding religion onto your life it's about surrendering to the God who created you his name is Jesus. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, every one of our campuses, all those that are joining us online, Facebook Live, YouTube channel, all over over, literally the world, I'm asking you that question. Are you right with God? Are you ready to stand before God? This is a moment. The count of three, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. If that's you, one, two, you're not at peace with God. You say, Pastor, I need prayer. Three, quickly hold your hand up high. I need Christ. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you right there, ma'am. Anybody else? Pastor Steve, I need Christ. I'm not sure about God bless you, sir. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I'm not sure. God bless you, buddy, right there. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir, right there. You're not sure about your relationship with God. Anybody else? Church, let's pray. Come on, let's pray with all those that are trusting Christ at all of our campuses, all those that are joining us online, all over our community, and literally all over the world. Let's pray with them. This is the most important decision they'll ever make. Let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus, come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody look at me. Give me 30 more seconds. If you prayed and trusted Christ, I'm going to ask you to fill out this card. It's called My Decision. Matter of fact, here's what you can do. You can fill it out. And on the way out of all of our campuses where people give their tithes and offerings, that bucket, please place it in that bucket. All right? We want to send you a letter. Talk about what it means to follow the Lord. If you are online, let your campus host know that you've made a decision to trust Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, bless your people as they go forth this day. God, we're going to be people of your word. We're going to be people of the spirit. And we're going to be a people of godly community. We want to be part of the solution, part of the solution. Lord, we're running into the battle. We're not running away from it. We want to be those that help and heal and lift and bring life. Lord, bless your people as they go forth this day. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on, can we bless the Lord? Again, you can place us on the way out. God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. We'll see you. Well, what an incredible message. And I hope you take what you learned today and continue to grow in that throughout the rest of this week. And also one of the best ways really to keep growing is to get connected. And probably the best way to get connected here at Church of the King and to grow is to start going through our Next Steps classes, which are really designed to help connect you and grow and really discover and walk out the purpose that God has for you. Super simple. All you need to do is go to churchoftheking.com slash next steps. You find out times you'll be able to register and I hope we get to see you there. We do, we hope we get to see you. And we wanna again say thank you for your continued generosity here at Church of the King. We try to make it easy for you. You can give online through the Church of the King app by text or by mail. Thank you for being a faithful giving church. That's right, thanks so much and have a great week. I hope that we get to see you at Next Steps. If not, we'll see you next week at church.